Welcome to Barry Pirro's Haunted Happenings Podcast, where I share in-depth stories of the paranormal, the supernatural, and the unexplained. So turn off your lights, sit back, and prepare to be scared. On a dark, rainy, foggy afternoon in May of 2000, A woman hopped into her car and headed off on a drive to run some errands. But never in her wildest dreams could she have imagined what lay in store for her that day. Her name is Christina, and this is her near-death experience. On May 1st of 2000, it started raining, and it didn't stop raining for 20 days. The weather was just so unpredictable, and it was such a strange spring. What happened to me was I was out in Peekskill running some errands. My car was in the shop getting fixed, and I had a loaner car. And the brakes were soft on the car, and I said, you know, I'm not being charged for it. I'm a single parent. I'm working a part-time job right now. The guy's not charging me for for the car. I'm just using it to go back and forth to work. It'll be fine. So I didn't bring the car back, and I chose to drive it. I was out running errands when my son was at a birthday party, and I was on Oregon Road in Peekskill, and the brakes failed on the car. They just completely went out. It was over by Knights of Columbus Church, and I couldn't see five feet in front of me. It was so foggy. It was during the day, between 1 and 1.30 in the afternoon. And it was just incredibly dark and foggy and rainy. And I didn't want to hurt anybody else. And I knew that I would have to crash the car. But I couldn't see anything. It was literally, it was worse than when it gets foggy here at the Cape. I knew that the Knights of Columbus Church was down the street. And there's a statue of the Virgin Mary out front. And I was like, well... I can always aim for that. If I if I get to the bottom of this hill, this little decline, I know that I can try to hit that and it'll stop me rather than hitting one of the big oak trees that's there. I was picking up speed and my car went over the double yellow line on the driver's side and there were two kids, I guess, in a, a Ford pickup coming around the corner towards me and they were over the yellow line as well. And we hit head on. The estimate was 90 to 110 miles per hour. It was a head on combined speed. So we were, each of us, they were speeding and I was over the speed limit because I had no brake. And the weirdest thing was that all I saw was headlights because I couldn't see them coming at me. But yet, there was this really weird sensation that I looked directly into the driver's eyes right before we crashed. Even though I really couldn't see him, like our eyes met. And I remember shaking my head, I'm so sorry. And I just gripped that wheel. And I remember hearing the crash, and I remember hearing metal crunching, but I didn't feel 
any pain. I remember feeling like the wind was knocked out of me, but I didn't feel any pain at all. And immediately, I felt like I was floating, and all of a sudden, I was in this really white, hot, intense light, and I knew that I was with a being, and I felt like I was being cradled like a baby in the arms of something much bigger than myself. I was just curled up in a ball, like how you would hold a sleeping child, you know, with your arm under their knees. And I felt like I was just sinking so comfortably into the chest of, of a being. And there was this telepathic communication. It didn't speak to me in a man's voice or a woman's voice. It's like it was a communication of just like a knowing of a dialogue. And I said, okay, okay, now you've got me. Am I alive? Am I dead? You know, what are you going to do with me? Am I alive or am I dead? It let me know. It said, I love to hold you, but you need to go back. And I said, I said, what if I don't want to go back? I like it here. And in, a, in kind of a like, a, like it was thinking that I was funny, you know, right. like almost like silly girl. You need to go back. And I said, but I really like it here. I don't want to. It feels so good. And I felt no pain. I felt completely relaxed. And I felt like I was absolutely surrounded by love. Did you get a sense that we're more than one being there or just the one? Just the one. I didn't feel like there was anybody there waiting for me. I didn't go through the tunnel towards the light. It was like all of a sudden I was in this light as if I was plucked from my body right before that point of impact. Either my soul was thrown right out of my body or something pulled my soul out of my body. So I was still cradled there. I said, I don't want to go back. And it said... You have to go back. You're not finished yet. And I was not happy about it. <laughs> I just remember, I just, I, I was not happy. And it said, you're going to go back. I'm letting go of you. And I felt like I was being sucked, like sucked through a vacuum, sucked through a vortex really, really quickly. And I was saying, wait, wait. I, I don't want to go, and it says, you have to go back, you're not finished yet, and it said, I will be with you, don't be afraid, I'll always be with you, don't be afraid, and then it was telling me to look for the lights and I'd be okay, and I'm saying, wait, what lights, what lights, it says, look for the lights, you'll be okay, and then that's when that bright light started to get smaller and smaller and smaller. The light that you were in started to get smaller, you mean? Yes, yes. And then I felt like I hit my body so hard right in my sternum, right in my heart. I just felt this really sharp pain at that moment, and my eyes opened and I gasped for air. And I kept hearing it still, look for the lights. There was just that knowing, that telepathic, thing going on and I felt as if something was sitting behind me in a seat right behind me and a hand on my shoulder that gave me like a reassuring squeeze on the shoulder and it said I'll be with you you're going to be okay I will always be with you and look for the lights I was trying
trying to make sense of what was going on. And the airbag was right up to, like, where my nose was. So the only field of vision I had was, like, as if I had sunglasses on, like, just right around my eyes. And the windshield was broken, and the whole front of the car was pushed back into me. And the glass was so close to my eyes that I felt as if I blinked my eyes, I was going to flick the glass into my eyes because it was just all shattered, like spider webbed. And I was like, okay, I don't know what else is wrong with me, but I know I have my eyes, so I'm not going to blink. And I could still feel this hand, like this little squeeze on my shoulder, and it started to get lighter and lighter, and then I started to see red flickering lights in the glass. And those were the lights that it told me to look for, that I would be okay. And it was the lights of the state trooper with the ambulance coming right behind it. I believe that for that time that I was with that being, I believe that I was not alive. Even though there was no medical professional there to take my pulse or do anything, I believed that I was dead and it caught me and it said, you're going back. And I just remember seeing those red flickering lights in the spider glass and really trying to keep my eyes open so that I wouldn't flip glass into my eyes. When they started cutting me out of the car and releasing the pressure of the dashboard and the steering wheel off my leg, which is what stopped me from bleeding out, I didn't see my body. I wasn't looking down on myself, not then. It took them two and a half hours to extract me from the car because they didn't know how they could do it the way that the dashboard was down on my leg and kind of holding my leg and stopping me from bleeding out. They weren't really sure how they could do it without basically my leg being taken off my body because there was nothing there to hold my leg on my body except my skin. All the bones were broken. So they were trying to save my leg. They were trying to save my life. And I remember when they were going to pull me out of the car and get me on a bodyboard, finally, I was like an animal. I understand why animals chew their legs off to get out of a trap. It was just unbelievable pain. I guess I had passed out from the pain at one point, but I remember seeing myself as if I was over myself at that point. I remember seeing them cutting my sneakers off my feet and cutting my sweatpants off my body, and they exposed my leg, and when they got me onto the board, I remember seeing my leg flop like a, a wet noodle. How high above your body were, you know, above this scene were you? you know? Probably 10 to 15 feet. And did you have any emotions while you were looking at this? When I saw my leg and the condition it was in, that's when it kind of felt like it took my breath away. And I was so sad. I was an athlete. So I, I had that emotion that I was sad, but yet I held on to what that being had told me that I was going to be okay. And I believed 100%. I believed I was not alone. When the troopers showed up and I saw the flickering lights, it was, of course, pouring rain, and my window was down about three inches because I just was trying to keep the inside of the car from fogging up and 
the trooper put his hand in through the window and he was stroking my cheek and I looked at him out of the corner of my eye. And he goes, oh, thank God. He goes, what's your name? And he's like, what's your social security number? And I could tell him my social security number. It was like I was all there. When you were watching the scene below you, could you hear what was going on? I don't really remember. I feel like it was quiet. Just watching what was going on. And I knew it was me. I mean, I knew. I knew completely it was me. And I knew the trooper was there. And I knew the trooper. I was felt so endearing to him because when he was trying to call, when he was talking to me, he's like, he goes, what can I do for it? What is there anything I can do for you? And and I was like, yeah. And he goes, what? I said, I hate those hats you guys wear. <laughs> I can't stand trooper hats. <laughs> I said, I hate those hats that you guys wear. And he goes, what? And I repeated it. And he goes, and I said, I said, can you take that hat off? <laughs> <laughs> So that, so that that was before you had your out of body. That was before I had the out of body. But I remember seeing him standing there, and he still didn't have his hat on. I was observing it, but it was just endearing to me. Obviously, you went back in, but were you aware of going back in? I wasn't aware, really, of going back in that time. Not like the first time. I just remember seeing, they put me in the ambulance, and then I remember waking up in the ambulance with my sister. How long do you think you were out observing this? It's hard for me to say how long I was out, because I couldn't really put any sense of time to it. Like, it could have been 20 minutes, or it could have been 10 minutes. Right. I don't know. Right. Because there is no sense of time when you're there. It's just watching, and... I tried looking back through my reports because it was interesting to me. I wondered how long was it after the accident before the trooper got there? How long was I gone? And I can't put it together. So you had the out-of-body once they took you out of the car or while you were still in the car? When they were taking me out, when I was out of my body watching, I looked like I was dead. But I knew I wasn't because I was told I, it was going to be okay. And I was told I couldn't get to where I wanted to go. You know, like, I didn't want to come back. It was so full of love and so comforting and so relaxing and a feeling of love like I have never, ever felt before in my life, like more intense than with parents or like how much you love your children. So intense that I didn't want to leave it. Did you get a sense that your religion was part of the experience? I was raised Protestant, but I'm not mm -hmm. really religious. I'm very spiritual, but I'm not really religious. I do believe in angels. It seems to have shifted over time because my spirituality seems to change and shift as my life goes on. So I believe that there is a God. I believe that there is a higher power. I 
say that at the time I felt like I was in the arms of an angel, but I look at it now as something that was much, much bigger than that. So more like God than an angel. So I guess it yeah. would be, yeah, that it was more like God to me. What I found out over time is that I came back like an empath on steroids. I can feel people's emotions. I didn't know what was happening to me in the beginning. I would walk into a supermarket and feel like I was being smacked, like smacked all over the place, beaten up by people's emotions. This one's pissed off at her husband, and that one is, you know, laughing at her kid, and that one feels really depressed. And it was like I was sponging all of that in all at once, plus my own emotions, and I just had such a hard time handling that. I couldn't block it. I didn't know I had to block it. Are you able to block it now? I'm a lot better with it. I have to block it to protect myself, to keep myself sane. If somebody is really hurting, I feel that sadness, and I just, like, all I want to do is help them and try to reassure them that it's going to be okay. You know, if somebody's really angry, it scares the hell out of me. Do you know why they're angry? You just feel the anger or you feel the sadness, or do you get information as well? I do get some information. A lot of people go through these intense emotions and it's always based on fear, is what I've learned. I get plenty of chances in the summer here. I mean, there's a supermarket, the stop and shop is so crowded. <laughs> I can tell that this one's pissed off that they're in the supermarket and they're not going to the beach and that one's mad at her husband and <laughs> that one's kid just misbehaved. And like, I don't have to see it. I right. just feel it. I know. After the accident, I went back to work part-time a couple years later in a health food store that I had been working at. And there was a French woman who used to come in there and buy all her produce. Now, Nancy had had cancer, and I never knew, but she had had a near-death experience. I was in the back of the store, like it was a perfect line from the front door to the back of the store where the produce section was, and I was there sitting down on a milk crate unpacking boxes. And her daughter saw me from the doorway, and she ran from that doorway the whole way down the aisle and just like jumped into my arms. And Nancy, her mother, came walking down the aisle and she had a big smile on her face and she said you were with them you were there and I said what do you mean and she said because I didn't tell her nobody knew she said you were with the angels wasn't it beautiful and I said how would you know that she said oh I can see it in your eyes <laughs> and then she shared her experience with me what happened to the people in the other car in the accident they walked away the driver broke his nose on the steering wheel. That was it. Yeah. Thank God. How's the experience changed your life? I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to die. I have no fear of dying. And in fact, I do elder care now. I became a, a licensed CNA when I moved here to the Cape. I'm with people on the last legs of their journey. And I've been able to talk to some people about that. And they were near death. I can see them fading, and I know that it's coming. 
And I feel like I've been put there as a reassurance because these are people who've been afraid. And I think it's an honor to be there with somebody at this point in their life. When I'm in the position of caring for somebody, it's out of out of this pure love to give that that feeling like I felt when I was there. Do you also think that they're all going to have that same experience? I don't. I think that it's very personal. I like to think of it as the summer land. I like to think of it as a very special place that we would all dream about calling home. Thank you, Christina, for sharing your incredible story with us. A recent study suggests that 15% of people who came close to dying or who were resuscitated after being declared clinically dead have had near-death experiences. Each is unique, and everyone who returns from this amazing journey comes back with a totally different outlook on life. Have you had a near-death experience that you'd like to share? If so, please contact me at my website, ConnecticutGhostHunter.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow me and leave a comment. I'm Barry Pirro, and this is Haunted Happenings.